This podcast contains graphic and explicit content, as well as all of the spoilers a movie has to offer. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, friends. Welcome back to So Here's the Problem with That, where we watch every sci-fi movie ever made and tell you what's wrong with their side and they're fi. My name is Emily, and I'm a movie fan. And my name is Neil, and I have a PhD in high energy experiment. Neil! Emily. How are you? I've been better. I believe it. It's fine. We are here, and it's, it's, if we're in our blanket fort, all things are right. All things are right in the blanket fort. Outside of the blanket fort, maybe not so much. Outside of the blanket fort, I'm down a car. Yeah! At least for a short while. Yeah. I'm glad that insurance is going to be able to help, but it's a fucking pain. Yep. Folks uh, at home, I did have my catalytic converter stolen, um, plus a bunch of other parts that were in front of and behind the catalytic converter. Not even full parts, just parts just of parts. Just parts of parts. Uh, <laughs> and it has it has been an enormous pain to try and get this all sorted out, but we're here now. We're here now. We're making it through one day at a time. If I knew the theme song to One Day at a Time, a thousand percent, I would sing it right now. I might cut, splice in the theme song to One Day at a Time right here. We could also do Day by Day. Oh, dear Lord, three things, things I, I pray. pray. Three things I pray. Anyway. <laughs> that was magical. We yeah. should do this more often. I love the little musical bits. Oh, my God. It's good. Okay. We just watched Starship Troopers and Neil... That there was a capital M movie. I would say maybe even slightly better than Right Down the Barrel. I would... I don't know... I don't know how I feel about it. I think I need to unpack it with you yeah. to really figure out my feelings on this film. I feel like that's fair. I feel like I I watched it and I've had some time to ruminate on it and I still am really kind of... I don't know. I'm kind of on the kind of on the fence of like, was that a good movie? Was it not a good movie? I will say I liked it much better the second time around, like much better. Um, I don't know why. Maybe because I knew what to expect. But second time around, I picked up on way more of the satire elements, like the smaller, okay. more detailed ones. Okay. Um, I picked up more on just the cinematography. It's beautifully shot. Yeah, I mean, the, they do they do a really good job of putting together some of these scenes. Yeah, and the composition is gorgeous. The soundtrack is, it's fun. Like, I don't know, they, everyone really got the assignment except for, like, two actors. Yeah. The unfortunate part is that they are the main two actors. <laughs> yep. So, that's fine. That's fine. So, is there anything, before I jump into this film, that you would like to talk about? There's some overarching themes, I think. Yes, everyone in this film is a fascist. Uh, yeah. So, so strong, strong disclaimer. This movie is about fascism. And we are sort of seeing the, the I mean, as Frank Zappa said, the fucking rise of a, uh, of a fascist theocracy in America. Yep. So if that's a heavy topic that you aren't really interested in delving into, maybe don't watch this movie. This might not be for you. It might not be for you. But I will say 
yes, everyone is a fascist, and it's presented in a quote-unquote good light, but it is a satire. It is very satirical. Yeah. It is very much so, like, the whole movie is presented as fascist propaganda. Yeah. And it's... It's very well done in a very, like, tongue-in-cheek, like, yeah. kind of way. But it is just barely subtle enough that 16 to 18-year-old boys, white might boys get, in America... Yeah, might get the wrong fucking idea. They might be like, Johnny Rico's the coolest guy that's ever happened! And not just a big Hashtag dumb jock. sport. Sport yeah. ball, person ball, person. All right, well, so we'll have... We should have a science corner. Great. It won't be particularly long because I didn't have anything that I really was like, this is novel and we need to talk about this. Right. Um, <clears throat> but there's some weird stuff. I like weird stuff. Like bugs that poop into space. That's weird. They poop what is called a plasma. And one of my questions is going to be, what the fuck do you think that actually is? Is it real plasma? And also, what is plasma? But okay. All right. We can get there. We've got yeah. We've got a whole film to unpack. What is your number one science corner? All right. Oh. So, all right. So, the biggest science corner topic is going to be the bugs themselves and a little bit of xenobiology. And we see three main types of four main types of bugs. Well, we see three main types of and bugs. Then one, and then one unusual, maybe two unusual. The flying ones are actually Oh, that's true. They're too. really only there for a minute, aren't they? So yeah. five total. Because we've got yeah. the main the main bug yeah. that kind of looks like a spider. Yep. Then we've got the plasma poopers. Plasma poopers. We've got what they call a tank, but is like a fire acid something or other. Yeah, it's got like flamethrower breath that it just like spits on people. And it's it's probably, it's like napalm kind of yeah. deal. Yeah, it had like electricity. Oh, maybe that's just to light it. Never mind, I answered yep. my own question. Yep. Uh, and then the flying bugs. <clears throat> yep. So that's four. And then a secret bug that we will get to later. Or right now. Dumb bug. Dumb bug. I mean, they're all dumb bugs, but... All right. So, I'm, I'm really just going to go based on your questions, and then I'll, I'll just, like, sprinkle some additional science in there. Excellent. For the for the sake of science. science. Um, so, the first question was, and the main question was, how much oxygen do these bugs need to survive? Yeah. Are they realistic bugs? Why are they so big? Could they survive on Earth? What the fuck happens to the humans on the alien planet? Because, like, the normal, normal bugs, I don't know what to call them. The spidery bugs? We'll call them the workers. The worker. The worker bugs are roughly a person and a half, maybe two people tall. Yeah. So, what, and maybe like, 10, 10 feet, 10 to 12? Yeah, I would say they're probably, like, 10 feet tall. And they're, they're weirdly, like, large. Because they kind of have these, like, spider-like appendages. Yep. And they also have these weird fangs. Yeah, it's very like mandibles. Yeah. In terms of, in terms of, like these are non-humanoids. I love, I love that. That was fun. I do love when people are like, "Hey, maybe we put aliens in the movie that aren't humanoid." Mm -hmm. Love that. Fantastic. Always good. Except when it's done poorly, which is. To say non-realistic sizes for bugs. Yeah. And I should say this question came out of a misinterpretation I had the first time we watched this film with, with Chris. Okay. Where I thought the bugs were in the asteroid that hit Earth. Hmm. 
No. And they are not. That's no. just a big rock. It's just that a big they rock they shot at Earth. To Earth. Which uh, we will also get to. Yeah, because, I mean, that was Upsetting. a real big rock. Upsetting. The Earth should be gone, question mark? I don't remember how big the rock was, but yes. Yeah. It was a very answer. contained uh, uh, area of destruction. Just Buenos Aires. Yep. That, yeah, that was also pretty unrealistic. Yeah. Okay. So getting into it, how much oxygen do the bugs need to survive? Okay. We're going to assume that the bugs on this planet function like bugs on Earth because we don't have another, I don't have another analogy, okay. right? I can just say like movie magic and then be done with it, but that's boring and there's no science in that, no right? No science. So let's pretend they're like ants on Earth, okay? Ants on Earth, well, actually most, most bugs don't have lungs. Okay. No lungs. I'm, I'm with you. Yep. I was about to ask you a question, but I know you're about to answer it. I'm about to answer it. So it, instead of lungs, they have little holes all over their bodies called spiracles. Spiracle? Yeah, S-P-I-R-A-C-L-E-S. Oh, I'm going to name my next dog Spiracle. Okay. Uh, and the spiracles lead to these tube structures that allow sort of the transportation of the oxygen throughout the the system of the bug. So these spiracles are on the outside and yep. they're just kind of like absorbing passively oxygen? Yeah, they're they're sort of like exchange pathways for like CO2 to go out and mm -hmm. oxygen to come in and they're just open. Interesting. They're not they don't as far as I can tell they don't close or open or anything like that because but it's the, the carapace. But the bug whole, guts stay where they belong. Yeah, bug guts stay where they belong. But they're not, you know, they're not big, Fair right? Point. They're like they're fucking small. You can't really see them with the naked eye. Fair play. Um, so the way that this ends up working is that you get you get the air into the tubes, and then the, the air in the tube sort of diffuses into the quote unquote blood of the bug. But bugs don't really have blood. Um, they really just have like juice. Juice. It's it's a clear fluid. Most of the time. Um, Did you ever watch Bug Juice on Disney Channel? No, but I remember the the drink. Oh, yeah. There was like a little like really sour, way too sugary yeah, like yeah, yeah. drink that they used to sell. And it was like in the shape of a bug and you, I don't know, it was yeah, something Yeah, or they had, they had like the, the Bug the Juice spray. spray that was just like that, sour spray. I think that's, that's probably what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so... The, the deal with with bugs is that they really, especially on Earth, can only get so big because all of these tubes are interior to the bug. Sure. Right? And if you want to, if you want to get something to grow larger, there's a couple of things that need to happen. Um, so first of all, your volume goes with like the cube of roughly how wide you are. So like the volume. Can you say that sentence? One yeah, more yeah. Time? Okay. So like, let's say you have a sphere. Yep. Right. The surface area goes proport like grows proportional to the radius squared. Fair play. Yes. Okay. Because it's a surface area. The volume grows with the radius cubed. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm, as you mm -hmm. get a bigger and bigger sphere, the ratio of your volume to your area gets 
bigger and bigger. Yes. Your volume is growing faster than the area will. Because, I mean, there's more space. Because Yeah, because there's more like there's more stuff inside than yeah. there is on the surface, right? Makes sense. Okay, so this is relevant to how living creatures function because most of the time the cross-sectional area of your muscles and the cross-sectional area of your bones especially in mammals, we'll talk about bugs in a second, determines how effective or how much you can like volumetrically be before you start to collapse under your own weight. Okay. And so this is why you don't, this is why like people who grow too tall end up having a lot of problems is because human bone structure and human muscle structure is really only designed to support people up to you know, roughly seven feet tall mm-hmm. and then sort of past as that as, yeah, sort of a maximum. And then past that, it really doesn't work so well anymore. And it's also why a lot of, um, a lot of professional athletes in sports where it's like strength to weight ratio tend to be really small mm. is because they proportional to their their size can just lift a lot more because the cross-sectional area of their muscles relative to their volume is bigger than it is for someone who's like, you know, six foot five. Dude, that is fucking awesome. Yeah, which is often why like like women tend to be like really strong climbers. Yeah. And a lot of them are like only five feet tall, five foot two, like yeah. in that range is because like relative to their body weight, their muscles just wildly outperform like relative to other sports unless the setter's being an asshole and puts things too far away yeah look there's nothing you can do when people are asshole setters um okay looking at you ve and 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 mvp um all right so so this feature of like if you want to get bigger the cross-sectional area needs like you need to increase your cross-sectional area faster in order to sustain a larger thing is called the square cube law. Square cube law. Yep. That will be my dog after that. I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Don't do that. Fine. Um, And so the square cube law really puts a hard limit on how big things can be for a couple of reasons. One is like, the first the first part of it is that like you literally end up with a scenario where you collapse under your own weight if mm-hmm. you get to be too large because the muscles the muscles in they mammals just can't, just support. can't support it. Mm-hmm. Um, this is also true for pretty much any living creature, which is why like trees when they get really big, they're really wide. They're never like, really spindly and super tall because like they would just fall over yeah right like they have to have a pretty wide base and also because like a lot of that pressure is going straight down the trunk and very rarely is it like flexing so hard that it like is going into flexion like you just end up with a better system specifically for trees for bugs a lot of their movement is actually generated by something that's like hydraulics and hydraulics are literally proportional to the area so the area of your hydraulic press dictates effectively how much force you can get out of the hydraulics so as a bug gets 
bigger, one of the limiting factors for like literally being able to move around is the fact that it's going to run into this issue where like the hydro the area of the hydraulic system isn't going to ex- like increase fast enough or is going to be limited by like the physical area inside the bug that it has to work with and then the bug just can't it won't be able to move like it they won't be able to generate enough um like force to be able to like move legs or walk or anything like that. What's up? Is that different for bugs with legs compared to like slugs or something that just kind of moves so, along? Yeah, so it is different. And slugs are slugs are an interesting case because they're actually using muscles. And the weird thing there is that the muscles that they're using are sort of contracting along the ground and then expanding and like they're using kind of like friction to move actually Mm. and it's just sort of like contracting parts of their body in order to like move forward and they still suffer the same the hydraulics they don't have this thing that we're no that we're talking about we're talking about yeah specifically insects and then the other thing about insects is that um if they want to get big they have to be able to get enough oxygen to all of the parts of their body. And that means that the tubes that are inside the bug have to grow pretty rapidly um, in order to keep up with how much volume of stuff there is to diffuse oxygen into. And then you run into an issue where like the tubes have to grow so fast relative to the size of the bug that like they can't pass through the joints of the bug or like it takes up too much interior space and then like there's no space for organs or blood or things like that. It would only be the moving parts, but you can't move if you don't have organs. Right. That makes sense. And so the way that you get around this is that you live in a much more oxygen rich environment and you know, like, like the Amazon. Yep. Like, well, kind of, um, that, that there is a little more oxygen there locally, but like our atmosphere on average is about 20 to 21% oxygen and then most like 70 plus percent nitrogen and then a couple other things. Which is always so interesting to me because like, isn't nitrogen poisonous? No. Oh, no, never mind that. You can actually, you can breathe, you breathe a lot of nitrogen all the time. Um, nitrogen is not inherently poisonous. It's actually pretty uh, inert, which what is weird. What are you thinking of? I must be thinking, I must be crossing wires somewhere with something else. I don't know. Uh, in or terms of like breathing? It's something I must have told myself when I was very young and it's just lived up there forever. I mean, one of the, so one of the things that can happen, and I saw this once in an episode of Burn Notice. Ooh, classic. Uh, is that you can, you can fill a room with nitrogen and because it's a, it doesn't smell and your body naturally breathes it, it just doesn't do anything with it. It doesn't really have a good way to say like, oh, that's too much nitrogen too much. and not enough other stuff. Uh-huh. And so you'll sort of just get sleepy and then fall asleep and then suffocate and then you die. That would be unfortunate. Yeah, it's really it's really intense actually and kind of wild. It has happened in a couple of like weird scenarios, but 
that's neither here nor there. Right. Um, so the way to get around kind of this limitation of needing to grow your air tubes mm-hmm. too fast is to live in a really highly oxygen-rich environment. And <clears throat> like 300 million years ago, during the kind of time of the dinosaurs, like 300 million to 250 million years ago, there was this really weird um, span of time where the oxygen levels on Earth were 75% higher than they are right now. And the Earth... they have better trees? Not better trees, but like more It's just sort of a weird period of time where there were a lot of kind of cellular organisms Mm. or... um, uh, zoophytes, I think they're called, um, that were pumping out a lot of oxygen and there weren't a whole lot of things. There were a lot of things that were like sequestering a lot of carbon dioxide and a lot of these other things. Um, and this allowed the atmosphere to get really rich in oxygen. And that's why we got like really big dinosaurs Right, is because they like they were kind of able to hit the limit of like how big their musculature versus their bone structure can be before they start to kind of collapse under their own weight. Um, But they were also able to sustain this immense musculature because they had a much more oxygen rich environment. Mm -hmm. And that is sort of the, the keystone is like if these bugs were to exist and they use you know, breathing systems like we understand bugs to use, then their planet would have to be ridiculously rich in oxygen. Yeah. And this is very bad for humans. Oh. You might think, oh, humans run on oxygen. We sure do. More There's oxygen, oxygen bars. Equals better. There's oxygen bars. Dumb. Don't do that. Doesn't really do anything for you. The only really important situations where you you would need like an O2 bar or like a steady supply of O2 is if you are in an environment where you have either depleted your ability to replenish your oxygen fast enough, meaning that like even if you are hyperventilating breathing, your body is not getting the oxygen that it needs. Which happened a lot during COVID and after COVID. Happened a lot during COVID and after COVID. Also sometimes happens during really high intensity sports. Sure. Sometimes if you see like a running back who, you know, in football who just had a really, um, a really intense run and like they, you know, ran 80 yards as fast as like a human can run 80 yards and they, you know, get a touchdown. A lot of times after that, they'll be on the sidelines, like breathing out of an oxygen mask because they like they have hit the point where like they need to recover to be able to perform again during the game. And without being able to flush the body with O2 uh, or with oxygen, you're not going to be able to like get things into the muscles and help them recover immediately. Mm. So it's a it's a really fascinating thing that they they do and it's not necessarily bad in small amounts yeah. it's just kind of the way it is but if a human went hypothetically speaking yeah went to the other side of the galaxy to an alien planet yep. with absolutely massive bugs whose oxygen levels or the planet's oxygen level is are really high really high what would that do to the human body? Too much of a good thing. Yes, too much of a good thing. Okay, so 
Part of the reason we breathe at all is that your body, there's, there's two parts to it. One is that the amount of oxygen that you are getting is not fully oxygen. There's a lot of, like your body builds up CO2, but there's also other stuff in the, in the atmosphere and your body recognizes that and says, oh, there's stuff in here that I don't want in here right now. Breathe out. And then just like this cycle uh, is triggered by um, a couple of things. One is it, it can measure how much stuff you're getting when you breathe. And it can also measure how much of the bad stuff that it wants to expel is building up um, kind of in your body as you are exhaling. So the way that it works, right, is that like you, you breathe in oxygen, the oxygen goes into your bloodstream through your lungs, the O2 like goes to wherever it needs to. It gets converted into carbon dioxide because um, it ends up binding with a carbon somewhere. And then it goes back into the bloodstream and then it goes back into your lungs and it gets all that carbon dioxide gets filtered out into the lungs and then you breathe that out. That is absolute magic. Yeah, it's it's really wild. Um, and this is also why like when you hold your breath you start to feel really bad mm -hmm. is because like a bunch of carbon dioxide is starting to build up in the blood and your your blood acidity level is actually going up because it's forming like carbonic acid. Oh, Taylor told me about what potentially was happening to that submarine and it was the worst thing I have ever heard. Oh, the people... The people in the submarine. In I guess the submarine? not the submarine itself. Before, if, they lost, if they lost oxygen? Well, if they had lost power and they were just breathing out and they only had, you know, whatever it was, four hours of oxygen or whatever. Oh, yeah, bad. Yeah. So, I mean, as awful as what happened was, way better than the alternative. Oh, my God. Yeah, the alternative of, like... Of just effectively continuously breathing into a higher and higher CO2 environment is... And feeling is, like you're burning from the inside? Yeah, oh, it is actually Jesus. much, much worse than having the submarine implode. And, and just instantly... It, it would have been... Like, the brain would not have been able to process how fast everything happened before you were dead. Yep. Like, it's like 13 milliseconds or roughly something like that that the brain takes to to process information. And, like, you'd, you'd be dead Way much, better. much faster than Way that. better. Um, so, so, if you are in a really oxygen-rich environment, you might actually just stop breathing, depending on how rich the oxygen environment is. Shut the fuck up. Because your body doesn't recognize that, like, there's things to expel. It's in too much of a too much oxygen, and then it, it'll it'll just you'll just stop breathing. Whoa! Yeah, if you are in an environment that is like abnormally high in oxygen, but not too high, then you might develop the following symptoms. Oh my god, I'm so excited! This is called oxygen toxicity, and it can include symptoms like headache, irritability, and anxiety, dizziness, disorientation. Hyperventilation, hiccups, cold shivering, fatigue, tingling in the limbs, visual changes such as blurring and tunnel vision, tinnitus and hearing disturbances, nausea, twitching, tonic-clonic or grand mal seizure. Oh, shit! Pulmonary toxicity, meaning your lungs are dying. Okay. Um, mild tickle sensation on inhalation. 
<laughs> mild burning on inhalation, uncontrollable coughing, yep. hemoptysis. You're coughing up blood. Oh my god. Uh, dips, dyspnea. Difficult, labored breathing. Come on. Well, that's a little, that's given. Rails. The fuck is rails? R-A-L-E-S. It's what we're off of right now. It's just rattling in the lungs. That's got Uh, a name? Yeah, apparently it's called rails. Uh, Fever, hyperemia of the nasal mucosa, which I think just means that like you you just start having, like not just a runny nose, but like, like so much mucus that it's like hard to deal with. Your CXR uh, can show inflammation and pulmonary edema and in premature uh, – oh, that might be specifically in premature babies. Mm. Um, retinopathy and prematurity in uh, retrolental fibroplasia. Oof. Not going to look that one up. Nope. Uh, retinal edema, which is just like your, your retinals. Eyes. Yeah, your retinas start to like die. Oh, my um, God. And then cataract formation when you when there's really long-term exposure to high oxygen environments. I so, fucking cannot. Everything from hiccups yeah. to your eyes are dying. Yeah. And you it's can't, bad. It's I. There's you know too what? much of a good thing. This is really just highlighting one more time the fact that we are alive. Is in, amazing. Is absolute magic. Yeah. I fucking, I, ah, there was so many. Okay, so I don't know if you will know the answer to this. Why do they know this? Is it Nazis? It, yeah. Okay, so I don't want to go down that path. It's, it's Nazis is, is mostly why we know this. Ugh, that is unfortunate, but that's fucking fascinating because, I mean, you would have to intentionally do this to someone to find this out, right? Like, this doesn't just happen in Earth. Yeah, because most of these things, like, oxygen toxicity really starts to set in after, like, between 12 and 48 hours, depending on the person. Mm. Um, And so, like, someone would have to be deliberately exposed to a really high oxygen environment for, like, a while. And that really doesn't happen unless it's deliberate. Doesn't happen on accident. No. Okay, well, Um, that is... Horrifying. Yeah. And yeah. further proof that the mobile infantry was just cannon fodder. Oh yeah, they'd have been dead. They'd have been dead immediately. Basically, right? Because I mean, set aside the twelve foot the millions of twelve foot bugs with razor sharp pokey things and jaws that could snap a man in half. Yep. You also have hiccups and can't see. And and just your body is again burning from the inside. Mm-hmm. So too much oxygen burned from the inside. Too much carbon dioxide burning from the inside. Life is a miracle, mm-hmm. Neil. Yeah, life it really is, is an absolute miracle. It's very wild um, that it it works as as well as it does. I God bless. All right. Well, that's horrifying. So that was the biggest part of the science corner. We're going to move on to the other questions now that you had. How long would it take, A, to get to an alien planet from Earth, and B, how long would it take an asteroid that someone launched from an alien planet at Earth to get there? Not an alien planet, this alien planet, which Mm. we see a map of the galaxy. Is very far away. It is on the other side of the galaxy. Yeah. Um, So conservatively, let's say like it's 50,000 light years away. 
it's going to take more than 50,000 years for that asteroid to get to Earth. This is not like a they launch an asteroid and like suddenly there's an asteroid at Earth. Yeah. It's not like, oh, you would just attack that. It's literally like it's mind boggling that this happened in the first place. Yeah. The fact that people got so bent out of shape about these bugs is like they weren't aiming at you. This just basically just happened. Yep. Excellent. Yep. Yeah, I, I put down here that it really depends on, like, where the planet is and what kind of tech they have. The nearest planet to us is probably um, around a star called Proxima Centauri, which is our nearest neighbor. Again, great name. Great name. Um, it's, like, five light years away. Oh, so that's traveling at the speed of light, which we know is not possible. That's pretty close. It's very close, actually. It's, yeah. like, literally right next door. Um, and it turns out that... The star system right next door has exoplanets. Like, it has planets in the st- in the system. Ooh. Um, and we don't know a whole lot about them, as far as I know. The government might. Did you watch well, those? Well, NASA might. Did you watch those hearings? Uh, I didn't watch them, but I, like, saw a lot of summary about them. And it's just silly. <laughs> it's just silly. It's like, who are you invading? Who are you fucking over that you decided that this was information that the public needed right now? Uh, and also, hilariously, how few people actually cared. Oh, literally? No one. No one gives a shit that there is probably aliens that the government is aware of. This fucked up. We're tired now. We as a species are tired. Look, it's amazing what people find interesting in late-stage capitalism. And aliens, not one of them. Not one of them. Because you know what's not going to pay for my health care insurance? Fucking aliens. Aliens. Nope. At all. Apparently, bugs can colonize a planet by hurling their spores into space. That's what Rue McClanahan said in the, sci- in the science class. She said they... The bugs hurl spores into space. That's how they colonize. And I was like, I think how? that's what the plasma bugs are doing. Oh, is that they might actually be like hurling uh, egg material or like okay. new bug material into space. I'm really not sure. It's really weird. Yeah, I think it's the bug butt guys. How do, how do the spores work? Would they burn up in atmosphere? Probably. Realistically speaking. I, yeah, realistic. If they were to enter another atmosphere, they would absolutely burn up. And how long would it take for a spore floating through space to make it to Earth? Forever. Absolutely. And probably, forever. Actually, probably would not make it. So Carmen, who is one of the main characters. Denise Richards. Uh, yeah. Her ship almost gets hit by this asteroid that they just encounter in space. How far ahead would they have been able to see it coming? A mile or more? Um Surprisingly, I felt that that scene was relatively accurate. Are you serious? Yep. Oh. Um, Asteroids are pretty hard to detect. They're small enough that, like, they're not exerting influence gravitationally on other things. Mm. And so, like, they don't... They also are not usually very reflective. They're usually really... really irregularly shaped. So right. trying to like bounce something off of them and get a signal back, which is usually how you would do this is like there would be like radar or LIDAR or something like that where like you are sending out a pulse mm-hmm. and you are looking for a, a signature return on the pulse, okay. which is why people spend a lot of time developing like aircraft that do special things with how uh, they reflect these certain kinds of light and why, like, you know, things like stealth bombers have 
signature sizes on radar the size of a sparrow. Yes. Uh, is because like people have done some really magical things with angles and geometry, which is hilarious. Who would have thought that geometry would be useful? Uh, I mean, literally everyone who ever did any math in college. So not me. Sure. Nope. Yeah. No, I'm, if I'm, you didn't do I'm any informing math, you. Not me. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Um, geometry is all over the place and extremely useful. The most unrealistic part of this scene is that... Is there chemistry? Yes. Is there chemistry? It fucking doesn't make any goddamn sense. Nope. Is that the the thing that they managed to find in space is an asteroid. Space is remarkably empty. Especially when you are... Not in what I'll call, like, the filaments or the places where there's a lot of matter to begin with. There's mostly empty space with chunks of things. Yeah, and even, like, things like a galaxy is still mostly empty space. Sure. It's just weirdly... There's more stuff than there is in other parts of space. And outside of galaxies, there's not a whole lot. I mean, there might be, like, some fucking rocks floating around out there, but, like, that's kind of it. Pretty much it. Um, Now, I think it was implied that this asteroid that almost hit this ship is the one that was flung towards Earth by the arachnids. Which, if it's traveling at the speed of light, which it seems like it must be. It must be. uh, Then it would be very hard to dodge, and the scene becomes a lot less reasonable because they would have hit this thing. Yeah. It they wouldn't just, just be, yeah, they just kind of like, uh, fire thrusters and like fucking dodge out of the way of this thing. And that's, if that, if that thing's going at the speed of light, you don't have time to react. Well, to and it. we're assuming that their ship is also going at the speed of light, the opposite direction. So yeah. we're going two times the speed of light. Yeah. So uh, another thing that would have happened is that the ship, um, would, the, the asteroid would not have looked it wouldn't have had the right colors it would have looked violently like violently blue or purple why so so are you familiar with the doppler effect i have heard those words put together in that order okay so when the like think about it like when there's a either a car or like a a siren coming at you oh yes and like you hear like as it's coming at you, you hear a, a high pitch, and it's like, and, yes, and, and it gets normal, and then it sounds weird, like yeah. especially when someone's biking by with their speakers on blast, uh-huh. which is annoying enough on its own. Yes, as they go by, mm-hmm. whatever song they're listening to sounds like a fucking nightmare. Yeah, because it's okay. So, so what's happening is that as the person is biking towards you, there's a there's a limit on how fast things can actually go, and. That limit is um, that limit is is in this case dictated by like the air and how fast sound can travel. And so like because the next wave of the of the speaker is actually closer to you, the wave size or the size between the waves is actually getting compressed. Yeah. Um, and so you are not actually like hearing the right noises because. The waves are getting compressed. You're going to hear something that's a little high-pitched as they come at you because it's compressing all of those waves together. Um, And then as the person kind of like hits right even with you, you'll hear for a very split second 
like something that sounds pretty normal. And then as they bike away from you, they like you're hearing every every time the speaker makes a noise, it's further away. And so it's like stretching out. Those all of, waves and are stretched. Those waves are stretched. Okay. And so they sound distorted and long and like underpitched. They sound lower pitched than they probably uh, than they should when you hear it normally. Okay. That same thing happens with light. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, and so, as something is, as you start to travel at the speed of light, if something is moving away from you, then it it starts to look more and more red because the frequency for red light is much lower than it is for blue light. And so, like as something is moving away. Like the the wavelength is physically getting stretched, and so we call that red shifted. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways that we measure how far away something is in our galaxy from us is by measuring its redshift level, or how redshifted a particular galaxy or object in the universe is. Oh, okay, that's cool. And we know exactly how. Because space is constantly expanding, we know that as something gets, you know, a further further away, we can tell how much space has expanded in there by saying, oh, this galaxy should probably be having this kind of, you know, light signature, and it has this kind of light signature. How much of that has de- deteriorated, expanded as it traveled through time, and you get things with really high redshift, and you you get to know that that thing is like you know, billions of light years away. It's like on the edge of the of the fucking observable universe, effectively. And that's cool as fuck. Cool as fuck! The opposite is true when something is traveling at you at the speed of light. All of the wavelengths are getting compressed uh, and you are not actually seeing the regular object, you will see anything that is in the visible light spectrum is going to be really shifted into the blues because everything is going to be like shifted from the normal light spectrum like down. Uh, And so most of it's going to look like purple and blue. Mm. And it gets more and more blue the faster it goes. And so if you are traveling at it at the speed of light and it is traveling at you at near the speed of light... Things get a little wonky because, like, when you're traveling at the speed of light, there's really no time, which is a really weird thing to say. I have so many questions, but this is not the movie. This is not the movie. Um, But suffice it to say that, like, photons, which or, or, like, anything that's massless, which travels at the speed of light, does not experience time. We're just going to leave that there for now. We're going to put a pin in that. Put a pin in that. We'll Hannah, come back to you it. can text Neil and ask him that yourself. Yeah. We'll we'll have another discussion about that another time. I'm sure. And then what ends up happening is that like you get you get all these things compressed. So if you're going at it at the speed of well, we'll call it near the speed of light, because at the speed of light, this concept doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Great. Um at, Which but we like, touched on, I believe, at during Interstellar, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. And then that, the asteroid is coming at you at near the speed of light. Then it like anybody standing on the asteroid is going to see you looking like your skin is blue. Yeah. And you are going to not see like a regular brown colored asteroid. You're going to see something that is like just ridiculously blue. Like it's not going to make any sense. Like glacier blue or like uh, blue I can't comprehend like right now. Like blue you can't comprehend. Fucking tits. Yeah. Okay. It's cool as shit. Ugh. 
The the weird part though is that it was an asteroid. What they should yeah. have run into is probably like a a, a what's called a brown dwarf, um, which the, is the star. Yeah, oh. they should have probably run into a, a just a stray star, um, because there are a lot of brown dwarfs that like almost formed star systems and then get ejected somehow because like you know you end they were up with never a, good enough for their parents. Sure. Jupiter is almost a brown dwarf. Oh, that's right. You told me that. It's like really actually pretty close to the limit of like how big it needs to be before it actually sustains nuclear fusion uh, in its core. And brown dwarfs are like on the limit of being able to sustain a fusion reaction like that. But they're not quite there. So, like, they might get a little heavy and then, like, it starts the reaction and then it burns up a lot of its fuel and then it gets lighter and then it doesn't really have the fuel for it anymore. And then it kind of peters out. And they're really hot. They they emit in the infrared really heavily, but they're they're really not fusing anything. So, but they're also, like, we we think that they are ridiculously common. Okay. Like the most common type of star. Interesting. Um, but they have such a weird non-signature that we don't. No, we can't. We verify. can't really measure how many there are. Awesome. But just based on how much stuff we think is in the universe, there should be a like a fuck ton of them. Love it. Yep. So For the number oh, had they had they actually run into something. It most likely would have been a brown dwarf. If it was just something just chilling random. in the universe, yep. yep. It most likely would have been a, a brown dwarf star. Okay. Not an asteroid. Not an asteroid. Even an asteroid flung at them by arachnids. And as I'm thinking about it, how the fuck did the arachnids fling an asteroid? Did they no corral idea. an asteroid? Uh, well, okay. So there's... You can... Like, we have the technology to do this. Shut the fuck up. And it's called the gravitational slingshot. They talked about that in Farscape. They sure did. They also talk about gravitational slingshots in... Um, Armageddon. They used the moon to yep, slingshot yep, around. Yep, They did talk about it in Armageddon. They did also, I think, use a gravitational slingshot in Interstellar. Yes. Yes. That, is, that sounds right. Yep. It is a remarkably common way to, for us to sort of get somewhere and say, like, we don't have good propulsion or we want to really limit the amount of propulsion that we're using, let's use the fact that we are going to come really close to this object to sling ourselves around it and pick up a bunch of energy. Using its gravitational pull. Using its gravitational pull. So you are using using part of its potential energy to, like, get yourself some more potential energy. Okay. And just, like, or converted in you're using the potential energy that you have relative to this object and you are converting it into kinetic energy and that's just sort of where we're going to leave that love it for the number of times that they say that they use nukes do you think they meant real nukes or do you think they just meant big bombs if you read the book they are using literal nukes that they only okay you finish your thought and then i have just a two minute rant And the reason they are using literal nukes in the books is that it's not the same level of, like, ground infantry of just random people really without a whole lot of armor that we see in the movie. In the books, they're all wearing these, like, insane mecha suits. Just these absolutely, like, 
decked out, guns a-blazing, like, think the mecha suits from Avatar. Oh, yeah. But now mount them with, like, a boatload of guns and a fuck ton of, like, small tactical nuclear weapons. And hopefully, like, a radiation shield of some sort? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, they're, they're, you know, made out of, like, you know, there would be, like, a lead lining in there that would protect you from the nukes. Yeah. But in the movie... They don't have, they just, they're just in t-shirts effectively. Like they would, if they had a nuclear weapon, they would kill everyone. Sure the fuck would. And here's my two minute rant. Uh Uh-huh. And I'll have this rant once again as we go through the movie. Every time they're like, use a nuke. There's like three bugs. And anytime there are millions and swarms of bugs, they're like, bullets, man. Shoot them. Shoot them with your itty bitty fucking bullets. And I'm like, this is the time for a nuke. This is the time that you need to just level the playing field. Yeah. And they never do, Mm -mm. Neil. No, they never do. (sighs) That would be too reasonable. That would be too reasonable. Um... Johnny gets bit in the leg. He get or stabbed. Stabbed he in the leg with a bug with a bug prong, and then he pulls it out. Yeah. Okay. There is zero chance that he survives that if he pulls it out. Yep. There is also zero chance that having been stabbed so grotesquely through the leg that it did not sever his femoral artery. Yep. Which is a huge artery that runs through your legs. And um, completely severing ephemeral artery, uh, I found online that you bleed out in two to five minutes. Oh, shit. Yeah. So he's dead twice over. Oh, many times over, in fact. Excellent. Uh, When Carmen and Xander's ship gets hit with the plasma, we see a shit ton of fire from all the ships. How much fire would we actually see in space? Okay, let's start with what is plasma. Yep. Plasma is another state of matter in the same way that we have... Like solids, gases, liquids. There are plasmas and a slew of other unusual states, states of, matter. of matter. See, I know you've told me this before, and every single time I'm like, really? That's still so fucking cool. Yeah, it's it's cool as shit. It's cool as shit. But like, everyone's like, oh, but what are the five states of matter? And it's like, well, that's not a great question to ask. How there many are... states of matter do you know of? You don't have to name them. Just know of off the top of your head. Like, ten? Know of off the top of my head. There are five that I would consider to be, like, standard or common um, in terms of, like, what we think of in physics. I have looked at the list and I... There's a list. Oh, yeah. Let's just... Here, let's just go look it up. List of states of matter. Oh, shit. Yeah, it's a long list. You guys, there's so many... Holy shit! There's so many states of matter... Yeah. Uh, let's see. All we right. got, So just classical states. We'll add this we got, to the, the notes because y'all need to see how many fucking states of matter. We got solids, liquids, gases. Standard. Okay? That's Ice, the classical water, ones. and then clouds. And then, yeah, vapor. Uh, That's what I was looking for. <laughs> modern states of matter. You got plasmas. 
Okay, we'll talk about what a plasma is in a second. We got supercritical fluids. We got degenerate matter. We got Bose-Einstein condensates. We got fermionic condensates. We've got superconductivity. We got superfluids. We got supersolids. We got quantum spin liquids. Ooh. We have string net liquids. We have time crystals. We have uh, time crystals are really fun. Time crystal is a great phrase. Yeah, it was invented by this guy um, Frank Wilczek, who. Uh, is really known for proposing these things that sound preposterous and then shortly thereafter are proven to be real and it has won him at least one Nobel Prize. Oh, shit. Uh, okay, time crystals. We got Rydberg Polarons. We got black super ionic ice. Awesome. That's like a death metal band. <laughs> All these are such good band names. Uh, and then bosonic correlated insulators. Bosonic? Yeah. Love it. As in, as in a boson. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Um, high. Oh, what? sure, sure, sure. Do you know what a boson is? Higgs boson fucking super collider. I got you. <laughs> All right. Good enough. <laughs> uh, high energy and then high energy states. Um, we have quark gluon plasmas. Um, and then there's, there's some speculation as to what state of matter the unit or like what state of matter the entire universe was in. In the time after the Big Bang. Okay. Um, it's not really It's more clear. theoretical than... It is very theoretical, but, I mean, a lot of these are theoretical. Oh, fair. Um, in the sense that, like, they don't exist naturally. They have to be created. Mm. And a lot of them are just, like, unusual, just, like, properties of matter that physicists have bothered to discover. Which is a very classic physicist thing to do. <laughs> Um, okay, so plasmas. Let's plasma. talk about plasma. Okay, if you take a gas and you heat that gas up until it is, all these particles are like bouncing around all over the place. And then eventually they're bouncing around so much that the electrons on the outsides of these atoms get stripped away. Then you have a plasma. Okay, so, so all that's plasma, left is the nucleus? All that's left is the nucleus, yep. yep. So plasmas are, you can think of them as like superheated gases. Yeah, okay. They are their own state of matter because they behave uniquely. They don't behave like a, like a gas. They don't behave like a solid or a liquid. They behave like a plasma. They have really unique properties. Fire is a plasma. Fucking sick. Anytime that you are like building a fire in your backyard... You are, for all intents and purposes, creating a plasma in your backyard. I'm doing science. You're doing science. Ah! Fire in and of itself is a really weird phenomena in the universe. Um, it requires a lot of very specific things. And one of those things is oxygen. And sometimes they do these demonstrations of like how long it takes to burn through like oxygen in a enclosed container. It's very quick. Mm -hmm. And so an explosion like you see in a lot of these scenes is really unrealistic because there's really not enough oxygen to sustain this fire. You would probably see a big explosion and like you would see all the shrapnel and you would probably see a really bright flash as all of, you know, the, 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 oxygen in the ship is consumed in the fire and that would happen probably pretty quickly uh and then you might see like 
parts of the ship where like there's an opening into space and a lot of the oxygen from the ship is rushing out. You might see that there would be like large jets of fire there if there's enough fuel to sustain that reaction there. Yeah. It might also be moving too fast that the fuel doesn't mix properly or the gases are weirdly mixed and you can't sustain a an actual fire in that environment and then it just doesn't it doesn't ignite. Yeah. Like you just the fire goes out. Um so it wouldn't look like this. Is, which is, is a sustained sh- burn. Which, yeah, which is like explosions, like billowing clouds of flames into space. No. 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 Excellent. Um, that's that's Great. that's what we got there. Based on what we see, what do you think the plasma bug is doing? Is that actual plasma? I think those are the spores. I don't understand how they're getting into space um, because escape velocity for Earth is like 11,000 meters per second. Which and these is, are moving way the fuck slower than that. Which is 33,000 feet per second? Sweet Jesus. Uh, let's let's look up escape velocity in miles per hour. I know I've said escape this before, but fucking astronauts are machines. Yeah, 25,000 miles an hour. That is so many miles per hour that yeah. human beings, granted in a ship, like it's not just them slingshotted through space. They're like... Protected, but that is still so many miles per hour. Yeah, there's also a small caveat that goes with that, which is that that is how fast something needs to be traveling to leave Earth without any additional energy. To leave Earth's gravitational influence entirely. Okay. So, like, if you start from Earth's surface and you want to go from Earth's surface to infinity... Yes, the velocity that you need to to have to get there is 11,000 meters per second. Okay. If you are going from Earth's surface to just sort of like the moon, you A, don't need to be going that fast. Uh, and B, if you have propulsion along the way, you also don't need to be going that fast. Okay. Because part of that is assuming like, you know, how much, like what, like if you didn't do anything else. If there was no outside input, how fast would something need to go to get there? Well, it's it's 11,000 meters per second. Yeah. If you have propulsion, you don't need to go that fast. Like, uh, let's look up the max speed of astronaut. Astronaut. They did reach damn near 25,000 miles per hour. Jesus. Um, the crew of NASA's Apollo... Oh, yeah, but it was... It was um, NASA's Apollo 10 moon mission reached a top speed of 24,791 miles per hour relative to Earth as they rocketed back to the planet in 1969. That's fucking wild. Yep. That's, that's actually really, really wild. And in orbit, they're going like 16,000 miles an hour. Yeah, um, bonkers. Bonkers. That is um, a breathtaking amount of speed. Literally. It is, yeah, it is a it is a breathtaking amount of speed. But you you do yeah you do need to hit pretty much escape velocity in order to escape the planet's because if you weren't point. if you weren't going that fast you would stop. It's not like you're hitting a wall. What what happens if you're not going fast enough to escape the atmosphere? Does the atmosphere just kind of like hug you? It's not the atmosphere. You're trying to escape gravity? specifically gravity. Okay. Um, and if you if you don't, you would hit 
Well, so if you have propulsion, what would happen is that you would get to a certain point and then you would stop and then eventually you would fall back to Earth after your fuel ran out. Gotcha. Um, and how far you got depends on how much fuel you had and how f- how fast you managed to go. Gotcha. But to escape Earth's gravitational pull completely, you need to go 11,000, uh, 25,000 miles an hour to get to, to, to be able to do that. It's, it's sort of a like, how far do you get, right? Because like, Functionally speaking, if you don't make it to 25,000 miles an hour, you still might escape what we would consider to be Earth's influence. Yes. But you would also eventually hit a point where you would stop and then turn like and then start going back towards Earth. It would just be much farther than you might expect. Do you have to be past the moon? Because the moon's in Earth's to, gravitational. Oh yeah, pull, right. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. It's orbiting Earth. Yeah. Like, do we, how? What do you mean? Do you like, have to be past? I the guess moon? Earth's influence goes far or goes x you know distance past the moon that you would have to escape. You'd have to go farther than the moon to get out of the Earth's influence. Is what I'm. Yeah. Ineffectively. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you 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 have you'd have to go pretty fucking far. Pretty fucking far. Right. Um, is sort of the. The idea Is it easier if you're smaller? Like our satellites that we've flung out into the far reaches of space? Is it easier because they're itty-bitty? It's easier to get them going at or past escape velocity because the propulsion that you need is proportional to your mass. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The weird thing about that is that you still need to get it up to that speed. It's just a little easier because it's easier to accelerate things that aren't as heavy. Yeah. And also, as you burn your fuel, this is this is rocket science now, literally. As you burn your fuel, there is a change in the amount of mass on board the ship over time. Yes, because um, there's less fuel. Yes, and part of that is what is considered in how fast you are going, your acceleration, a couple other things. Um, and that is accounted for when you are like getting rocketed into space, Awesome. which is cool as shit. That's fucking sick. All right. Um, I want to wrap up the science corner relatively quickly here so that you have time to go through all of the movie in roughly an hour. Yeah. Cause I'll be honest, there's not a ton of plot to this. Yeah. No, there really isn't. Um, the last thing I want to touch on, um, they, they fly through an asteroid field. They hit a bunch of shit. They'd be really dead. They hit a body. They wouldn't be dead. They would not be dead from a body floating through space. Yeah. Okay. Mostly because they're not going fast enough. Yes. And because bodies have a much larger surface area. Mm. Because a rock could be very heavy and also very small, it has much more potential to like actually crack a windscreen or tear through some of the metal of the ship or something like that. Okay. Okay. Um, the proboscis of the brain bugs sucker thing. The okay? proboscis. Yeah. You like that? I love it. Of all the cool words you have said today, Neil, the proboscis is the best word. I, that's great. Firstborn. It's like a fucking... Firstborn child. Mm. Proboscis. Oh my God. Taylor! <laughs> Um, okay, there are lots of bugs on Earth that have proboscises. Proboscis. We, we should 
we should clarify for those who have not seen the film, which oh, you really, yeah. really should. There's a bug which has a, what is now apparently called a proboscis, but it's a pointer. Yeah, it's like if you've ever seen a mantis shrimp with like a or like a praying mantis yeah. with like it's it's like arms that like have a claw that like extends really fast and then comes back and then comes back it's just like whoosh. yeah they have something like this but it extends out and like pokes into someone's skull and yep. then they suck out their brains and all their juices sure do and then they they come back all right so think about the think about this this proboscis. Like it is a straw for a Capri Sun. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> if you grab, if you grab the straw, which is pointed, which is pointed, and you stab it into the pouch, you're you're pushing all of the force along the length of this straw. Yes. Right. That is called a compressional force. Okay. Or and then. Relative to a material, we would call that its compression strength. Awesome. Yes. There's also, there's many different kinds of strength. One of them is the flexular strength, which is if you take that material and instead of applying all of the force along the length of the material, you apply force like from the ends as if you are going to bend it. Yes. Right. Then, you know, it's a plastic straw and it's hollow. It's going to bend really easily. Sure. Um, and so to be able to have like this, this property is really common along, like among materials in general is just that applied along an axis, the force is like the, the strength of the material is really strong, but applied along a different axis, the material is weak as shit. And so for her to be able to cut through this thing, because she's coming at it from the side. Yeah. Really easy. Okay. It's very likely to me that this thing is is easy to cut through from the side or at least like destroy from a side in like incoming angle. Because it was it evolved into a thing to puncture. Yes. So along the that vertical, yeah. probably along quite strong. the length of the Because thing. there's a yeah. lot of space. Or not space. There's a lot of shit between the outside of our brains and the inside of our brains. No. No? no. But the skull is very dense. It's not. Neil, you have eight minutes to explain to me why the skull is not dense. Uh, okay, the densest part of your skull is actually right here in front of the prefrontal cortex. Why? Uh, it's because we evolved to like, like headbutt our enemies, headbutt things, and also like if you're gonna fall, one of the most likely things that you're gonna hit is your forehead. Fair play. Done that. Yep. Thank and you. the weakest part of your skull is like. Two inches away over here at your temples. And your temples are like, there's literally just muscle there. And there's really not a whole lot else. Like, there's maybe a little bit of bone back there. But How the fuck do like, humans survive anything? It's really astounding. Here, let's look up human skull. Yeah, okay. So here's a human skull. Okay, so it's got a little divot. It's got a little divot there because the there's a bunch there's there's like a bunch of muscles that run through there that allow you to like chew and stuff. Like oh. um that's part of it. Uh the 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 densest part of your head is like here in in the in the forehead. Just and, above your nose, eyebrow area. Yeah, and like everything else really is not that strong. 
Like it's 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 a dome, so like you know, taking some amount of impact is like maybe it's going to be fine. But for the most part, a human skull is actually pretty easy to break. <laughs> like the skull is human bodies in general are really weird in what kinds of things are like easy to survive and what kinds of things are like oh you died yep oh, oh sorry yep <laughs> bummer you died god fucking bless um so so yeah human skulls really does not take a whole lot of it it i mean if you had something sharp enough it would be like poking a capri sun really <laughs> What is man if not just the Capri Sun of the universe? I feel like that's not good. I feel <laughs> like I feel like maybe it wouldn't be man and instead it would be, you know, like a whale or something like that. What is man if not the whale of the universe? No, what is whale <laughs> if not the Capri Sun of the universe? <laughs> It's even got the little hole in everything. Does, anyway, oh all right, that's all I had for the that's all I had Phenomenal. for the science corner. So we're gonna power through this fucking film mostly because there's not much plot to it, and also because I need to leave. So let's do this opening scene. It starts with an advertisement, like one of those fake advertisements, because obviously you're in a movie, but. It's high propaganda, like capital H, capital P, high propaganda. Oh, yeah. Um, the, the font is very, you know, I don't even know how to describe it, but it's a propaganda font. It's I don't like, know. It's like sci-fi, I don't know, like sci-fi block yeah. propaganda font. Yeah, and they're showing all these um, people. The number of extras in this film is actually breathtaking. It's quite There's a few. so many extras. And they're saying all these uh, good soldiers are doing their part and everyone's smiling and being weird and soldiers look towards the camera like, I'm doing my part. And someone else says, I'm doing my part. And a child with a giant gun pops out and says, I'm doing my part. And everyone goes, ha, 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 ha. Oh, little Timmy. So fucking weird. It's really odd. <laughs> and it looks like it looks and then it kind of pulls back and it looks like you the audience are clicking through a web page. Like granted a late eight late 90s web page, but it's like do you want to look at the news? Do you want to look at I don't even know what all the extras or something like yeah. that. Um and so the there's a mouse that clicks and and it brings you through just kind of setting the scene aliens exist. Number 1. They are giant bugs, number two. Aliens and humans are in a war for reasons, number three. And they show us an image of our galaxy. And they show us where Earth is on the left in a, in a corner. On the opposite end of the fucking galaxy is this alien homeworld, Clandathu? I'm almost positive that's how that's that, I think that's right. Um, it's way the fuck away. Neil, correct me if I'm wrong. It is not like unreasonably far away but it's it is. it is absolutely unreasonably far away for a human for human time scales it would it would take a hundred thousand years to get there yeah if you left today you would be in space for more time than humans have really existed on earth that's a long time it's a very long time long time so just know we're gonna set that aside not only is faster than light speed possible, it is commonplace because people are zip-zapping between the two all the fucking time. 
So, uh, there's a TV reporter, and you click on one of the buttons, I don't remember, it doesn't matter which one, you click on one of the buttons and it's a TV reporter who's live from Clandathu, and he said, all right, the battle has begun, and there's a cameraman, he's like, and everyone's fucking fighting, I have no idea what the fuck he says, it doesn't matter, because he turns around and there is an alien who just snaps him in half, just jaw clamps him, and he's- Chomp. Chomp. Both sides go fucking flying. And um, the cameraman starts running with the troops who are retreating. I'm going to take just one minute here to explain what the fuck this alien looks like to the best of my ability. And it's called an arachnid, but it's not a spider. It has at least, it must have six legs. I'm going to say it's got six very pokey legs. Yeah. A kind of a small nervous system core in the middle and then a giant head on top of it. Yep. With mandibles, does it have arm things or is that just its got, legs? No, I think it's got two arm two things. Two arm things. So maybe four bottom feet, two arm things, giant fucking, it looks like bird beak almost. Yeah. They're weird. So these are the worker bugs and everyone's retreating and then the camera see, uh, the cameraman gets skewered. He's gone. And then someone else gets run through his chest. I don't think it's Rico. I think it's implied to be Rico, but it's not. Well, yeah. One of the... I think someone in the background gets their leg got. Yeah. And you learn later that, oh, that was Rico. That was Rico. Yep. Okay, okay, okay. So someone else dies on camera. And then it flash cut to one year earlier. Mm -hmm. Um, so we are in a classroom. We are in a high school classroom with that is entirely populated by 45-year-old kids and Michael Ironside. <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. I cannot. They are that all is, that so is in fact. old, you guys. Um, we see this weirdly attractive person. Like, his features are too perfect. I can't really look at him. Casper Van Dien is, like, he's obviously he's an attractive person, but it's, like, too attractive. I don't know. It, it gives me... I, th- I already talked about this in our in our first episode, but he gives me the same kind of heebie-jeebies that Fabio does. Like, too much of a good thing yeah. circles back around to be uncomfortable. Yep. Anyway, this is Johnny Rico. He's drawing a picture of a man and a woman in a field of stars kissing. As you do. He's very talented. We it's never actually, touch on his... Artistic ability it's ever It's actually pretty good. It's really good. It's, it's like if he spent, you know, a couple of years practicing, he would probably make a pretty good animator, designer, Absolutely. artist. Like, But that is not what this film is about. No. This is about fucking bloodshed. It sure is. Um, so it's about fascism. It sure is. Fascistic bloodshed? Also a good band name. Yeah. God, this science is just the best band names. Yeah. Anyway, so Michael Ironside... It was a goddamn delight. He's acting his fucking ass off. He, like he gets oh, he does the assignment. A really good job. But he's so good. I love him so much. Him and Mr. Krabs, absolutely the two best actors in this whole film. Um, so he's explaining the difference. He's explaining fascism, but he's explaining in this world the difference between a civilian and a citizen. A citizen has rights, and a civilian doesn't not have rights, but they don't have as much rights. Like, you can't be a politician if you're just a civilian. You can't have babies if you're just a civilian. Uh, and you can't... Uh, you can't, can't vote. Can't vote if you're just a civilian. So, to become a citizen, 
I don't know if you have to join the military, but it's the easiest way. I think you have to you have to serve in the military to be a citizen. And I think they have two year stints when they're not at war, which is kind of like Israel question mark they've got two year rotations something like that. I think South Korea also does something like that. I, I don't know France how long does the too. IDF. Yeah. I don't know how long you're required to serve in the IDF. Yeah. There's there's other places in this world where Switzerland also does that. It does some sort of you have to serve for X amount of time, which I I don't think it may, doesn't make sense. I don't know. I'm not going to get into it. So, um Michael Ironside is delightful and his prosthetic, so he's missing his left arm under below his elbow mm-hmm. and that prosthetic is super good it all was the prosthetics remarkably realistic so good um that prosthetic the bug puppets that they have were so good and i'm going to talk about this at least two more times the cg is so good it's in this surprisingly film. good for when this movie came out a thousand percent um so Rico sends that picture of the two people kissing to his girlfriend, Denise Richards. She plays a girl named Carmen. She's a fucking cold-ass bitch. They post their math scores after class. They go out and look in the courtyard. Is she a cold-ass bitch? I think she's a cold-ass bitch. And she's dumb. And she's a really bad actor. I mean, she's dumb and a bad actor. I'll give you that. I I don't think I would have called her a bitch. (sighs) They're in high school. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. But, like, the way she breaks up with him, with the staged fucking camera that someone's holding for her, or she has a tripod, and she says, look, well, we'll get into it. We'll get into it's, this fucking it's, thing. Okay, that's, that's fair. <laughs> fucking rude. Anyway. Oh, my God. What's his name? Barney. Um, Neil Patrick Neil Harris. Neil Patrick Harris, thank you very much, is... Uh, uh, best friends with Johnny Rico and it's like the three of them were kind of like a three musketeers type thing and uh, it's I thought it was super rude that you can just look up anyone's math score or whatever test score and post it huge for everyone to see and make fun of that yeah that was really weird Carl is good with technology yes he is. he's a very like nerdy game theory kind of guy and he's psychic and he's psychic and he when they post all the grades, uh, he like pulls up um, fucking Rico's grades on this TV screen and just like makes it flash yeah. like F, F. Yeah. F, like he fucking sucks. He fucking sucks. Yeah. Um, so now we are in a different classroom and Rue fucking McClanahan is there. She plays the science teacher who oh, I is. Didn't realize. That's her. And she's blind. She's got a burn. I'm assuming it's from bugs. I'm assuming it's from dissecting, not actual military service. But she's explaining, you know, how bugs work. She's the one who said, you know, they uh, propagate the galaxy by launching spores into space or something like that. And so they've got what appears to be a two-foot-long cockroach. And um, Yeah, I think it's one of the, like, transportation bugs that the, yes. the big... The big... The secret the bug? brain bugs. Yes. Um, so they're getting into dissection and they're they're highlighting how Carmen is good book smarts. She's good like understanding, you know, how things work, but the actual physical act of bugs or being with bugs, she can't handle. She's trying so hard not to throw up. Super fair though. Oh, I don't fucking blame her at all. But Rico, he's just cracking in, pulling out intestines, pulling everything out, not cataloging anything or taking any notes. He's just kind of taking it out and putting he's it over here. He's just taking it apart. 
Which, you know, that's fine. They're showing that he can handle this, which is good, because spoiler, spoiler alert, he's gonna see the inside of a lot of bugs. And she, as a pilot, is not. True. So, flash cut to, we're in a mother's basement with Carl and Rico. And Carl is testing Rico to see how his psychic abilities are. Yeah. Uh, because Carl, as we mentioned, is a psychic. He has a ferret and he kind of convinces mentally his ferret to go bug his mother. Um, the ferret also is called, is named Cyrano de Bergerac. Yeah. Which it's fucking hilarious. I, I, one of my absolute favorite plays of all time. I am very confused why he named his ferret Cyrano, but I love it. I mean, I'm into it. So this scene is just to show that Rico is not... Psychic. Psychic at all. Carl is. It's just a little bit of foreshadowing. Um, It's also kind of to show that Carl sort of dehumanizes people mm -hmm. pretty easily. Yeah. Yeah, it does not shock me where Carl went. No. No. So now we are at a football game in a basketball court and... It's, it's space football, or it's future football. Rico sport hard. Rico sports so hard, and he's very good at this. He does a lot of jumping somersaults over people, and he's very weird. physically active. Did, I love the part where he's running to get up to do his somersault. You can watch him run up a ramp, <laughs> which was great. Uh, they're just showing that he is a physical specimen, and he's really good at the physical things of manhood and things. I don't fucking know. I'm good at jumping around, I guess. Really good at jumping around. And we're uh, not totally introduced to, but we re-meet a gal named Dizzy, who is kind of in the friend group. She wants on Rico's dick so hard. She wants yeah. him in the biggest, baddest way. Like, hashtag... Big thirst. Big thirst. And he is so rude to her. He writes her In off. In the worst way, too. Why? Just say, I'm sorry, I don't feel this way. But he's like, why are you such a bitch, Diz? I'm like, how about you go fuck yourself, Johnny Rico? Oh, my God. Anyway, she's there. She's the captain of the team. And for a while, she was going to go play professional whatever the fuck this sport is. Yeah, either in she's Tokyo. good. She's super good, and she's very tactically minded. She's good shit. And, for what it's worth, way the fuck hotter. I find her so deeply attractive compared it's, to Denise it's Richards. It's the confidence. It and her hair. I want to touch her hair real bad. Oh, I love her a lot. <laughs> Sorry, that was a very intense eye contact. I, like, I, but, like, it's it's obviously just a perm. That, what? It's not just a perm. That's natural. Those are natural locks. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Anyway, another big part of this football game is that the, I'm going to call him the captain, but the main guy on the other team, he starts flirting with Carmen. And he's like, I'm going to flight school. She goes, I want to go to flight school. You're the most interesting person I've ever met. I'm going to subtly flirt back with you. And Johnny's like, well, that's not cool. Please don't do that. Um, in a much less reasonable way. Like, he's also just oh, an asshole. Yeah, he is also an asshole. Yeah. He's just a, a jealous teenager. Yes. And I have to remind myself that they are, like, 18. So they're graduating high school basically tonight. Tonight being whatever the night this football game is. And this uh, other guy, his, we don't know this yet, but his name is Xander. 
And he's got the weirdest fucking hair of anyone in this entire film. It's just, it's like a weird Caesar bowl cut mop that just sits weird on his head. And it was very distracting. Anyway, he's flirting with Carmen like it's his last fucking gasp of oxygen. So then everyone, um, they're going to, they're getting ready to go to the big dance that night. And Rico is with his parents and his dad's like, you're not joining the fucking service. And he's like, it's my life. I'm going to join the service if I want to. He doesn't want to is the fucking thing, though. He's doing it because Carmen wants to. Had he been a teenage boy? I get it. Story checks out. Story big checks out. But here's my issue with his logic, whatever there is of it, is that he knows he's not smart enough to go with her to pilot school. He knows that he's not going to see her. He is living on a prayer, trying like his hardest. He's like hoping that he gets paired up with one of his friends into... You know, pilot school or yeah. whatever, whatever else. Whatever the fuck Carl's gonna go be. to. It's it's not good. It's not good. Let me tell you what, folks, it does not work out for him. So at the dance, there's so much just random shit that I've got in my notes. Um oh, this is just a general reminder. Oh, Xander. I don't know why a kid from another school is at this dance at their prom, but he is, and he is in his full military garb, and Carmen's loving it. Carmen sees him in that uniform just, like, sliding off her chair. Get a bucket and a mop. Macaroni in a fucking pot with this suit, man. I don't know. It's not my thing. Uh, Side note, though. The costume design in this film, not bad. It's fun. The costume design in this film is actually pretty good for how tongue-in-cheek it's supposed to be. Agreed. I would agree with that. But yeah, I just wanted to put one reminder out there for all you high school listeners that I'm, I'm sure are out there. Probably not a good idea to stay with your high school sweetheart into college. Not saying it can't work. My high school choir director and her husband of a thousand and a half years, they were high school sweethearts. I know it can work. The odds, though, are against you. That's all I'm going to say. The odds are against you big time. And also, maybe have a, like, try having a mature discussion and saying, like, hey, Odds are probably not good. Let's try some other things. Yep. Maybe see some other people for a little while. Let's have a conversation in a year or two and say, like, was that good? Do we want to continue? You are both children right now. Infants. You are both children. Yeah. Yeah. So just something to think about. Um, for the next time you go through high school. I don't fucking know. So, they are signing up. We find out that Carmen is going to flight school. Good for her. Carl is going to military intelligence. He doesn't understand. He gets put into something called, like, games Games and and theory theory or something like that. And he's like, I don't know. Like, I got put into something called games and theory? Sounds lame. And the guy behind the desk is like, oh, bud, you're going to be calling the shots. That's military intelligence. Yeah. And he's like... Oh, oh shit. shit. I'm now he's excited. Yeah. And uh Rico is getting all excited because he's like, whoa, a Carmen got into flight school and it got into games and in, in theory. What like, do I got? what do I got? And the guy and he like look hands his paper and he's like, oh, infantry. Ah, infantry made me the man I am today. And he's missing both of his legs and one of his arms. Yeah. And like Oh, Rico has a real moment of like, oh, oh shit. I've fucked up. Big what time. have I done? 
Um, and they do the, the three of them together do this dumb fucking thing. Maybe it's only dumb because Carmen says it. And she's not a good actress, but she says, let's make a vow that we'll always be friends. And I'm like, shut the fuck up. Get out of here. Go to your fucking flight. Whatever, whatever. Anyway, as they are going to load on the plane. Oh, I forgot to mention that Johnny tells his parents, I'm going to join infantry. And they're like, if you do, you're going to get cut off. Get the fuck out of my house. And he's like, okay, bye. So he has nothing. Oh, and his family's rich as fuck. Oh, yeah, they are very wealthy. Yes. Um, I only bring that up because of something that happens later. So they're in the airport. Carmen's like, oh, my dad wanted to help me pack. <laughs> and he's like, cool, my dad fucking kicked me out. And she's like, I'm sorry for your loss. I'm like, Calm the fuck down, The Carmen. loss of what? Your inheritance? Yeah. Um, and he says, I love you to her. And she does not respond. And he says, which is not a great sign, not a great sign. Just and try it out. He says, try it on for size. And that is heartbreaking and cringing. And it was very uncomfortable. Mm. But it, her hair, I need to say, throughout this entire film, gorgeous. Her hair looks so good. It's very, it's surprisingly lush. It's so lush. Throughout so. the whole film. Yeah. She clearly she showers has, well. She has very straight hair. Yeah. Which can be very hard to manage. Girl preach. And somehow it just looks like nice and flowy and it loose It looks like she, had, she has it blown time. out every morning. It's so pretty. Anyway, not the point. So we're back to the, it's called FedNet, but this TV thing. There's a commercial where kids are holding and fighting over automatic weapons in an effort to be like, see, even these kids want to join the infantry. And uh, you can watch an execution tonight at 6 o'clock. And then did you see that the guy from Psych, the police captain from Psych, is the psychic who pops up and says, do you think you're psychic? Also, I know him from The Luck of the Irish, the DCOM classic, where he plays a leprechaun. Did not, did yeah. not catch that. Oh, yeah, it was great. It was He's there for roughly three seconds. Anyway, and then you see a cow get torn apart by a bug. These are all fairly interesting. I don't know how important they are to the plot. Later on, it gets important. But, like, what is this fucking world where you can just watch a live execution just watch it. Anyway. So. It's it's fascist. <laughs> it it's is. fascism. That's fascism, baby. That's fascism. So we're at boot camp. Mr. Krabs is the drill instructor and he's fucking great. He's very good. Oh my God. He's given it his all and in the best way. He and Michael Ironside, absolute top tier in this film. Dizzy shows up. She had specifically requested to join this squad why, Dizzy? Was it because you didn't want to play your fucking game professionally and get paid millions of dollars? Is it because you did it for a boy, Dizzy? It's because you were thirsty as fuck, Dizzy. She says it's because this is the best. She's full of shit. Yeah. She's absolutely full of shit. She's like, like, she's literally like breaking out the knee pads, putting her hair up. For Rico, and she's like, yeah, this is the best squad. This is just, you know, this is just where it's at, yep. right? Yep. But yeah, so then there's the famous shower scene where uh, yes. the men and the women are showering all together. You don't see a ton, but it's... see a lot of boobs and butts. You see boobs and butts, but it's it's not a sexualized thing. And no. that was the whole point of the scene was to show that they are more interested in... 
Killing bugs. Killing bugs than in... And the camaraderie. Yeah. Than in fucking. So, it was an interesting enough scene. Surprising. Yeah. Yeah, I thought the scene was gonna... I was not sure what this scene was, and then I saw this scene and I was like, huh, that it was surprisingly normal. Yeah, it's almost more remarkable because it is so unremarkable. Yeah, because it's literally like... It literally portrays what being naked is like as a human, which... Mm, 90% of the time, boring. Pretty boring, yeah. So uh, someone in the shower is asking everyone, so why'd you join? And someone said, I want to have babies. I want to go into politics. I want to do this. I want to do that. And they're like, hey, fucking uh, Rico, why'd you join? Hey, Rico. Hey, hey, fuck you. I don't have to answer your shit. And Dizzy walks in and they're like, hey, Dizzy, you know Rico from school or from before. Why'd he join? She goes, he joined for a girl. And everyone's like, ooh, Dizzy, what the fuck are you here for? Are you here for a fucking boy? Jesus, I'm just saying the hypocrisy here. Anyway. um, Yeah, but it's the the, like, I like you, so I'm going to hurt you kind of like. I'm going to punch you. That's how you know I have a crush on you. Like, I'm, ha. Yeah. I like you. Ha, ha, ha. Boop, boop, boop. So Rico now is writing, quote unquote, writing to Carmen. It's not writing. It's, no, it's a, just video. Like a video. It's like a vlog, effectively. Yeah. And it's a, it felt so stereotypical, but in like a very fun way. Everyone's super rowdy. Someone's playing the violin. Everyone's like getting in the camera like, ooh, kissy face, kissy face. Someone moons it. it. It felt very stereotypical, but I can't tell if it's stereotypical because of everything that came after. Or if it was already cliche when it happened. And I, I do not know. It was cliche when it happened. It must be, right? I don't know. It's a cute enough scene. And he's like, I fucking miss you. Here's our bunk. I'm doing great. Hope you're doing great. Please write to me. And um, now in space on a big fucking ship, a woman captain who I thought for exactly too long was like, is that Captain Janeway? It's not. It is, however, the dead lady from Desperate Housewives. So that's kind of fun. Um, I've already forgotten her name. Fuck. That's rude. Anyway. Um, Carmen is now, she's a trainee, she's a cadet, she is going to pilot this big fucking ship, and who, Neil, is her instructor? Uh, fucking Spooky Bullcut Boy. Spooky Bullcut Boy, also known as Xander, but Spooky Bullcut Boy is way more accurate. Here's my question, though. Yeah. He's already an instructor? He graduated the exact same day she did. Just gonna put that out there. So I, you know, maybe he was in one of those accelerated programs. Maybe or he's super fucking smart. He sure doesn't look it. No, he really also doesn't act it. No, he does not. He, we never, we never get a demonstration of why he is put in a position of like authority so fast. Nope. He's he does not seem to be intelligent. He nope. does not seem to be particularly capable. Nope. So she's. Showing off, you know, how good she is at this whole flying thing, I would argue she's very bad at it. She's super reckless. She does everything at the last second. She changes things on a whim. I would not want her as my pilot personally. Oh, no. She she would have been fired immediately. Yeah. Yeah. So, but in this movie, she's great and everyone fucking loves her. And I wanted to share, I can't remember if I showed that or if I talked about this in our um, intro but there was the test audiences when they were showing this film. You know, they tried to get a sense of what people think about a film before it releases. And test audiences did not like the uh, a love plot line between these two. 
They, Between Xander and Carmen? And Carmen. Yeah, because it sucks. Well, it sucks, but it's more like they didn't like the idea of this woman getting some, and then Johnny... But Johnny's allowed to get some on his own. But they didn't like that Carmen was cheating on J Johnny, even though they're not together. To which I say that is absolute horseshit. And you can clearly see where they're still fucking... They're still together. They're not... Not together. The whole, all the scenes of them, they are abs they're basically married at 18 or whatever the fuck. I don't know. Test audiences are weird. All that to say, he, throughout the film, doesn't, like, do anything bad. Xander? He's an asshole. He's Xander? smarmy. Yeah, Xander. Uh, he does something bad. What does he do? He literally starts a fight with Rico. Yeah, so he's an asshole. I would argue that that's bad. Is it bad? Yeah, because he's like, hey, man, I'm going to fucking fuck you up. Because it's just like... But Rico's also kind of like, hey, man, I'm going to fuck you up. He's like, hey, you stole my girl. Like, but did he, though? Or did she join and go career? I'm saying he's a smarmy asshole, but he's not a bad guy. I, respectfully, I'm going to disagree. That's he fair. did. He was the one who initiated that fight. That's right. He was the one who was like fucking ripping off his pins and like rank doesn't rank matter. Rank doesn't matter. We're yeah. fighting. And then just Rico hauls off on him. Yeah. Because, like, what else is he supposed to do? He had a Be the lot. bigger man and walk away? He's a child. He's not going to do that. He's a child. He's a sports ball child. He's a sports child. Yes. So, I wanted to also make a note that the CG, once again, super impressive. And the scene of uh, Carmen, she's basically backing out of the parking spot, reminded me so much of that scene in Galaxy Quest. Oh, yeah. When they're leaving. I think leaving. it's supposed to. Uh, well, Galaxy Quest came after. Galaxy Quest for 2001? Yeah, but it's supposed to remind you of this scene. Oh, I Yeah, I think it is, a, it is a joke about this, oh, okay. about parts of this movie as well. I accept. Um, okay, so back to boot camp. Um, Rico's doing really, really well at laser tag. Uh-huh. Uh, he's fucking double gunning it, pew, 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 and he becomes squad leader. Yep. And he gets a, a letter, quote unquote, fucking letter from Carmen. And it's a Dear John letter. And she says, you know, oh, I'm so glad you're doing well. And then it cuts to, again, someone is holding this camera for her. And it's very staged. And she walks into a window as if it were like an audition film. And she says, look at how beautiful it is. And that's why we can't be together. Because I want to go career. And you just want to do the two year. And I'm going to be here forever. And I'm sorry about that. And all of his friends are around him, and they're like, that fucking sucks. And Gary Busey's kid, I don't remember his name, is Ace in the film. He's like, hey, you still got me to punch around or to fucking whatever. And he's super good. The Ace. Ace, yeah. He was I, really good I, in this film. Yeah, I thought he was going to be, like, kind of a shit-tier character. Yeah. And, no, he actually kind of amounts to being kind of a fun. He's kind of sweet. Like, good He's a good guy. He's a good guy. He's a good guy. Um, yeah, so then uh, Rico is squad leader, and they have a practice, a live round practice. So they have real bullets in their guns. Why? I don't know, because there's also people just running laps around the fucking area. So I don't know why they got real bullets. Anything could happen. But um, they're going on, and this guy is right in the fucking beginning. This guy's having issues with his helmet. Rico says, give me your helmet. He's going to try and fix it. Someone falls and shoots wildly. And this guy gets his head blown the fuck off. And uh, that's not great. 
that's not great. No, real bad, actually. Real bad. The gal who actually shot the bullet, she ends up leaving boot camp. But Rico fucking, sorry. And they're like, all right, you can stay. I'm like, fuck you. Fuck you. But he does get punished. He does get 10 lashes. Which, again, what is this fucking world? You can watch a live execution and someone gets whipped as as a punishment. I don't know. It's, it's fascism, baby. It is. Uh, but here's a part where the cinematography and, like, the direction was really, really interesting because it is framed really well. And then they're counting the lashings. And as it fades to black and then fades into back into space, you can hear the counting the whole time until Carmen comes up on screen. And it was just it's really well done. Yeah. This Paul Verhoeven... I think he's got a career ahead of him. Like, he's huh. really good at this. Huh. I don't know. All right. So, Carmen and Xander are doing the night shift. That came out wrong. Doing Carmen the nasty. And Xander. They're doing the nasty. Uh, they're sitting through the, um, sitting through night shift, and she changes the, the plot of the ship to be more optimal. Unfortunately, that puts them directly in the line of fire of a asteroid, which we just talked about. Yep. Which apparently they it's not necessarily weird that they wouldn't have seen it. Fine. I'd still want to call them dumb, but that's just me. I mean, um, they yeah, they are dumb. She yeah. she should not have changed the course of the ship without permission. Uh no, not as a fucking first year. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, so they're they emergency avoid this asteroid and like a part like a, a part of the ship gets knocked the fuck off and i'm like how many people are in that part of the ship they're just gone yep um so then but the captain's like i've got the best flight crew around and that's why we didn't die not these fucking assholes almost killed us i mean yeah does sound very like military structure to me a little bit so, uh, back at boot camp, Rico's gonna quit. That was too hard. He didn't like it. Someone died on Someone his watch. Someone died. Not great. I don't blame him. And so he's uh, resigning. He calls his parents and they're like, oh, of course, you can come home. All is forgiven. Come on back. And all of a sudden it gets really dark in their screens. And, and, that's and then weird. suddenly staticky. Staticky. And then termination of transmission. He's like, oh, that's fucking weird. And he starts uh, leaving. As he's about to leave, everyone starts running and screaming. And he's like, the fuck is going on? And they're like, a fucking asteroid hit Earth! Uh, Here's a question I should have asked before. Uh Is boot camp on Earth or is it on a different planet? It, I think it's on a different planet. But in the book, it's on Earth. Okay. Yeah, I... They just kind of appear. We don't see him get there. No, Though yeah. he was at the airport. Yeah. Airport, spaceport, whatever the fuck it is. But yeah, so there are, uh, they go to the TV and the asteroid has hit not only Earth, but Buenos Aires, where uh, Rico and Dizzy and Carmen and everyone is from. The entire city is destroyed. And that's not great. There's like 10 million people are dead. And now... The human race is at war. So, and all of you who thought you were going to go in for two years and go out and live your lives, jokes on you, you're going to war. Uh, Mr. Krabs wants to go so bad. He's like, sir, put me in. I want combat. He's like, the only way you're going to get combat is if you knock yourself down to private, private. And he's like, fine, that's bullshit. And then Rico says, sir, 
I want to re retract my resignation. And the general, or whoever this fucking guy is, he's like, no, you signed your paperwork. Get the fuck out. I'm like, it would be illegal. You are at war. You need people. What the fuck are you doing sending someone away? And Mr. Krabs holds up his paper. He's like, is this your signature? And Rico says, yes, sir. And he rips up his paper. He's like, no, I don't see anything or some shit. And it was, this is a cute scene. It, it's kind of a cute scene, but also it's like, hey, you are going to go die. Yep. Sorry about it. So, uh, back to the FedNet, uh, the TV thing. Everyone is reeling. I, I'm not laughing at the, de at the death. But everyone is reeling from this terrible attack. Apparently, this asteroid was flung from the other side of the galaxy by the arachnids uh, in a targeted attack on humanity. And uh, someone says, the only good bug is a dead bug. And he's the director of photography. Gotta love dehumanizing... Your enemy. I mean, they're not human. They're not human but in this case. That's not, but it's also not what fascism does. Exactly. Um, Carl comes up. He's looking real tired. Got some saggies under his eyes. He's under a lot of pressure. And he shows a very effective and efficient way to kill a bug. You hit that nerve column that I mentioned before. You hit that and they're gone. Does anyone in this film do that? Absolutely not. not. They just even once. spray bullets like they're free. Yeah. But that's not the humor there. Um, and then everyone's doing their part. And you see these shot of kids stepping on cockroaches, which I'm fairly certain PETA must not have liked. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm pretty sure they were real cockroaches, too. Yeah. So they're, everyone is gathering forces. They're going to go to Clandathu and attack the bugs at their source. They're on a big fucking ship, and Johnny and his team are there, and Carmen and Xander are there, and he's like, wow, cool to see you again. This guy's still an asshole, and Xander's like, fucking man up, let's fucking go. Rank doesn't matter. And Johnny fucking wipes the floor with him. That's not true. They kind of, they each get a good Yeah, they each get in. a couple of good hits in. Yeah, they're both assholes. And then Johnny and his friends go get drunk and get tattoos. Very funny. Which is great. So they're on the battle. The ships are giant ships full of the, the mobile infantry above the planet. All the mobile infantry is going to be in these little pods that are going to go down. And we see these very beautiful kind of blue light streamers that are coming off the planet. And uh, the captain says, military intelligence, Carl, says that it's just light and it's going to be, there's not much that's going to happen. So people are launching and then all of a fucking sudden, one of those beautiful blue plasma light things hits one of the ships and it blows the fuck up. And they're like, oh shit, someone fucked up. And it's just chaos. Anytime that blue plasma even grazes a ship, it is out. Annihilated. And there's big ships are crashing into little ships and it's chaos and on the ground the mobile infantry is out there and obviously it's the fucking bug homeworld so there's a bajillion and a half fucking bugs they're throwing nukes they're blasting sh shrapnel everywhere and bullets are flying and it's absolute chaos the the f war is hell neil yeah i don't know if you know this i yeah i did yeah so uh, this is where we meet that uh, TV reporter, and we see from the other side his death, the cameraman. Johnny gets stabbed through the leg, as we mentioned before. He immediately rips it out like a fucking idiot. And then... He bleeds out in two minutes and dies. Yes. Yes, he does. <laughs> uh, except 
Except no, not. Does. Yeah. Um, he, he is rescued. He is marked as dead in this battle, He though. is. And so Carmen, she's looking through the death records. Find him. He's marked as killed in action. She's heartbroken. Even though it really looked like four seconds ago, she got engulfed in flames. Yeah. But she didn't. No. Everything, everyone, there's like four. There's like two each. Carmen and Johnny, where you think they're for sure dead. Oh, yeah. And, and then, then somehow not, they don't die. And then they're fine. Oh, man. So what is... Oh, and I do need to make note again. This is the most breathtaking amount of gore I have I've seen, seen recently. A, yeah, very same. Like, it's comical to an extent, but it's also just a lot. It's just a lot. <laughs> a lot. Uh, so just beware when you are watching this. All right, so... Uh, FedNet, the TV says 100,000 uh, people died in an hour, which I think is what happened in World War One, if I'm not mistaken. It was like something, 100,000 died in the first hour and 200,000 died in the second hour. World War One specifically was just a fucking meat grinder. And that that's what made, this made me think of. Um, they say show video of the world and it's just fucking bodies. Granted, they look fake, which is good, but like... That's a lot of bodies. Yep. Um, the big boss, the big sky marshal resigns. And now they're going to look for intelligent bugs because these bugs clearly set a trap for humans. So we're thinking someone's intelligent. And there's these two talking heads that are just screaming at each other. And and one woman says, there's intelligent bugs. And the other guy says, frankly, I find the idea of intelligent bugs offensive. And it made me laugh a lot. It, yeah, it's very realistic. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. So, like we said, uh, Johnny's not dead. He uh, and Dizzy and Ace and I think, no, Kitten's dead. But it, it, these three, they join a new unit. And they're like, oh, I hear your lieutenant's a real fucking nutbuster. But everyone's like, fuck you. He's the greatest human being that's ever lived. You call him a nutbuster one more time and I'll fucking bust your nuts. Exactly. And like, he saved your life, Johnny Rico. And they're like, oh, officer on deck. And who the fuck comes out, Neil? Michael fucking Ironside. Michael fucking Ironside. a new arm. And he's a fucking beast. With a prosthetic arm. Instead of his stump. Yeah. And he's super fucking great. Um, so now the new plan. New fucking plan. We're going to go to outlying planets near Clendafu. We're going to clean those out of bugs. We're going to work our way in. Great. Smart. Love it. So they're on this planet. I believe this is not planet P. This is a different planet, I think. So there's a fucking shit ton of bugs. We get a flyover. I should have asked you. I think this is Planet P. Is it Planet P? Okay. Pretty sure. I should have asked you uh, about fighter jets in other atmospheres. I'm not going to ask you because we don't have time. But just know that's something I'm curious about. How would a plane which is designed for our atmosphere and our oxygen level, how would that work elsewhere? Just mull that over. You don't have to answer. Yep. So... Fighter jets fly over. They fucking boom, 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 bomb, bomb, bombs, bugs, dead, everywhere. And uh, mobile infantry comes up. I believe these are the Roughnecks, correct? Yes. The, yes. Uh, Michael Ironside is the head of the Roughnecks. And they come up and they're just cleaning up. And, um, oh, what's his name? Watkins, I think, is one of the new kind of secondary characters. He finds a bug and he shoots it and he's overkilling. He shoots it maybe a hundred times and he's getting sprayed with green bug guts and he's like, they're not much to look at when you scrape them off your shoe. I'm like, calm the fuck down, sir. Seriously. But 
Now, a big tank bug comes up out of the ground and uh, it's throwing fire acid, which is honestly really cool looking. Um, the second in command, she gets her arm burned the fuck off. It would be cooler if it wasn't so realistic with what napalm is like. Oh, yeah. No, that's definitely just a napalm bug. Yeah. That's not great. No, quite bad, actually. Yeah, quite no, bad. I wouldn't I wouldn't play around with napalm if I were you. You, the Pro tip. fine folks at home. Don't do it. No, nah, no. Uh, so remember how I told you, Neil, that Johnny Rico is a sports ball Sports person? ball? Sports ball. And he gets high ground, jumps on this tanker, shoots a hole into its back through its exoskeleton? Is yeah. that? Okay. Carapace, exoskeleton Carapace. is Thank fine. Thank you. Takes a grenade, throws it in, jumps the fuck off, tanker bug explodes, and everyone's like, Johnny, you're a hero. Oh my God. Gets promoted on the fly. On the fucking fly. Because second in command, she, I think corporal, she had her arm burned off, like I mentioned. And uh, Michael Ironside's like, hey, I need... Uh, Need new. Need a second one. in command. I know you. You're 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 it until you're dead. You are good at sports. So I watched it with Taylor, and he says that Johnny Rico is an idiot who is good at sports, and that makes him a hero. Correct. And that is painfully accurate. So at the end of this battle, Michael Ironside, the lieutenant, I shouldn't call him just by his real name. I should call him by his character name, but I don't know what his character name is. Doesn't matter. Michael Ironside says. Uh, you did a good job. Here's a bunch of beer. Here's a bunch of entertainment. Fucking Ace gets a violin. How did they get a violin out here? I, so, whatever. And so everyone's dancing, and Johnny and Dizzy finally dance, and she's like, hey, Johnny, can we fuck now? Because, you know, it's been a long time. And he's like, why not? Let's go fuck. That's not actually what happens. She's like, hey, let's fuck. And he's like, I'm actually the new commander. I don't want to fuck. And then he goes and talks to the lieutenant real quick. And the lieutenant's like, hey, don't ever pass up an opportunity for a good time. Yeah. Uh, because you don't get fucking many of them in the infantry. Because you are guaranteed to die. And then they go fuck. And then they go fuck. And it's a pretty cute um, thing that happens that they, they're they kind of getting going. And uh, Michael Ironside opens the door and he's like... We got in a stress call. We got to go. You got to be ready in 10 minutes. And he's like, wait the fuck. Who else is in here with you? And Dizzy's like. It's me. Sorry. And he goes, fine. 20 minutes. And leaves. And I'm like, that's really funny. And they're like, we, we can, can do it. We can do it. Let's go. Um, so that was pretty cute. And so now they are on, um, they're at an outpost. And this is outpost P. Yes. Thank you. Uh, so I think, I think they're on a different planet. So, and moral of the story is. They're at an outpost to answer a distress signal. A flying bug comes and picks up one of the guys. He's a radio guy. Michael Ironside snipes him from way the fuck away, and he looks around. I expect any of you to do the same for me. Yeah, doesn't snipe the bug, BT no, Dubs. The snipes person. the person. Yes. Um, he's very good at this. And Rico, once again, gets promoted for doing absolutely nothing. Yep. He's, it's been, what, 20 minutes since his last promotion? Let's do it again. So they're at the outpost and everyone's fucking dead. There's a hole that opened up in their mess hall area. And uh, that's how they got in. It's not great. And they find a, a body with a big hole in the top of his head and nothing inside. Something sucked the brains out of this guy's head. And uh, uh, General Owen is the head of this outpost. He was hiding in a smoke-filled cabinet. I don't know why there's smoke. 
It just happened. Whatever. Um, he's off his fucking rocker, and he says the bugs made the guy with a hole in the head call for distress. It's a trap. These are intelligent bugs. And so this is the big fight scene that won for best fight at the MTV Movie Awards. This yep. was the one. Uh-huh. And it's really impressive from just a practical standpoint because it is in daylight. So much CG is hidden in night, so you can't really tell. This is broad fucking daylight, and it's really impressive. It's a lot of bugs. They animate a lot of bugs in there. It's very good. Yeah, there are, I told this to Taylor, but like there are Marvel movies that do not look as good as this film. That's true. CG-wise. That's true. And that is... Astounding. Astounding and really disappointing. So, they are Helm's Deep style. Odds are against them. Oh, yeah. They're backing up. They're doing the best they can, but it's not going to happen. So, they call in for a pickup retrieval. Who comes in to get them? But Carmen and Xander. Super cool. Michael Ironside gets sucked into a hole. His legs get bitten off. He asks Rico to kill him. Boop, boop. Rigo does, after in all moments hesitation, yep. Dizzy kills a tanker. She like throws a grenade into its mouth. Sick. Which was awesome. She turns around just in time to get skewered by a worker bug. No, Dizzy! Fucking Rico pulls out the skewer again, which is just, it's a huge, she now has a huge hole and it's gotta have spines. Like it's ripping shit up on its way out. And... She is not long for this world. No, the man fucking dumb. She dies in his arms. She's like, I got to die in the love of my life. Yeah, and yeah. And she fucking dies. <laughs> and and he's like, we gotta fucking nuke the planet. Oh, Carmen, you're here. Fucking nuke the planet. And Carmen's like, no can do, friend. Uh, boss says they got bigger plans. So they are gonna do a full fucking... You know, dress, funeral, flags and honors for Dizzy. I'm like, did they do this for everybody? No. No, they didn't. But that's fine. So It's, it's because Rico got some and now he's the leader of the troop. He is. He's he the new lieutenant. For the, he takes over for the lieutenant. He's now the lieutenant of the Roughnecks. Yep. So at the funeral, uh, Rico and Carmen are talking and um, Carl walks in. He's now an SS member. That is an oh, yeah. SS. Yeah, he's wearing suit. a fucking Nazi suit. Yeah. And that's one of the parts where people back in the 90s should have been like. Maybe this is a joke. Maybe this is a joke. Because he's like very clearly. It's, it's very clearly making fun of Nazis. Exactly. So <laughs> Carl is looking a little worse for wear. He's obviously under an intense amount of stress. And he explains the plan now is to go back to that, not necessarily the outpost, but the planet P. Because they think a brain bug is in there. They think that's what happened, is that there's a new bug we have not met that can suck out the brains of humans and ingest the knowledge they're in to be better at tactics. Better at fucking with humans. At fucking with humans. So, new plan. We're going to go back. We're going to get a brain bug so we can do that to them. And then we know how they think, and it's going to be great. So... Big ships are getting ready to deploy. More plasmas coming off the planet. They, uh, all the big ships, once again, because they're big and it takes a long time, you can't just fucking avoid it. As slow as the plasma is moving, the ships are slower. And it goes up, and Neil, do you know what we got? We got an airlock blowout. Airlock! It's an airlock blowout. It was very satisfying. Yeah, it's a bad airlock blowout, too. Oh, it's not great, but it's about exactly what I expected. 
There was one guy, he was playing with what appeared to be a slinky, but I think it was like an air compressor tube. He was doing this, and then he just got launched out. It made me laugh a lot. <laughs> so, now there's bodies in space, there's ships crashing into ships, and everyone's fucking dying. And Carmen and Xander, they get into an escape pod, just a little two-seater, and this is where they hit a body, and I was like, what that body destroyed the thing and apparently no because Probably not. it's fine not going fast enough yet but you know what would have fucking destroyed their little two-seater is hitting every fucking cliff and rock possible on their way into uh to the into a crash the landing yeah they do crash land and they do hit a remarkable amount of stuff in their crash landing and they should have just died instantly oh my god just absolute salsa three times over and they crash land in a bug cavern so they're through the fucking earth into this very, uh, this big cavern. Then, so, uh, Johnny's on the walkie-talkie with him. She's like, where are you? I'll come get you. And she goes, we're in hostile environment. Ah! More or less. And he's like, I'm coming. And then he goes, wait. For the one time in his fucking life, he thinks he's like, she's probably dead. It would be a waste of human resources to go after this person I know is dead. We need to follow the mission. And he's about to be a good soldier. And then he there there's thinks the, with his dick. He, well, he thinks with his dick, but he thinks more importantly with Carl's thoughts. Yes. I so, forgot. I forgot that this is what they. Uh, what this they is the foreshadowing. Describe it to. So as they're walking through tunnels, Rico's like, you know what? I think Carmen's down this tunnel. And they're like, if you bring the Roughnecks down there, you're going to get court-martialed. He goes, cool, Roughnecks, continue on without your leader. I will take two volunteers. Oh, it's the next two in uh, in the chain in of command? succession? It's the captain going down to the planet. It's, it's so, so fucking, dumb. fucking dumb. So Carmen and Xander are not dead. They are being held captive by the worker bugs. They're, and they're like, why? What's happening? And in comes the brain bug, which is... Horrifying. Wild looking. Again, the puppet is beautiful. It's In- it's astounding what they managed to make happen. Yes. It is also disgusting. It it's is got like a, so revolting. It's got like, what, maybe six to ten eyeballs. It's It's got a vagina mouth. It really does. Out of which comes a, what's it called, Neil? A proboscis. A proboscis, which is a, a big pokey, big pokey stick. And it stabs Xander through the head, sucks out his brains, Fucking and it's like, mm, nummy, nummy, nummy. And then it looks at Carmen, he's like, I'm coming for you, bitch. And who the fuck saves the day but Johnny Rico holding a nuke? Once again, Johnny, if you threw a nuke and you are anywhere the fuck near it, you are going to die. Oh, yeah, he realizes that. But he also realizes that this is the brain. This is the brain that he was tasked with capturing alive. Yeah, but also if he kills the brain, then, like, a lot of operations just cease to function. And On like, this planet. And he is threatening it because it knows that it ha- that he's got a nuke. Yes. It, it knows that it's going to fucking die if it yep. doesn't back away. And so he's just like, look, I'll fucking, I don't matter. Balls I'll in fucking, your fucking court, man. Balls in your fucking mouth, dog. <laughs> So, uh, there's a firefight. Watkins is injured. He holds on to the nuke. And now um, Ace, Rico, and Carmen, they are running through the tunnels. This is the one where they almost died, or they could have died. Yeah. Because yeah, they're yeah. being chased by actual fire. Yep. Um, they exit the 
the cave and everyone's running and cheering and they're like what happened they're like we fucking got it i'm like how long were you running that the brain bug was a not hit by the nuke that watkins let uh um detonated but it was also captured by another team like what what is the timeline here it doesn't matter so they captured the brain bug and Carl comes up and he touches it and he's doing psychic shit and he's like, it's afraid. It's afraid, which is so fucked. Oh, so <laughs> fucked. And so then everyone's fucked. like, yeah, yeah, it's afraid. Fucking scary. Oh my God. It made me so uncomfortable. But uh, then they're like, everyone's going to remember that a private named Zim one. And who is Zim? It's Mr. Krabs. It's Mr. Krabs. Mr. Krabs demoted himself to private. He got in the battlefield and he saved the day. Side note, my great-grandfather on my father's side, his name was Zim. Well, his name is Leonard, but we called him Zim. Grandpa Zim. Fun interesting. Why'd, why'd you call him Grandpa Zim? <laughs> Fuck if you know. Fuck if I know. I sure. was four. Makes sense. Um, But one final FedNet segment. They're showing the brain bug in a laboratory. They are drilling into it while it's alive. And it's horrifying and, again, very upsetting. Didn't yeah, like it. Yeah, very upsetting. And they're like, join up and kill stuff, man. And they show a little bit like, oh, here's, you know, Carl. He's torturing head this head brain bug. Head of the SS. <laughs> Carl's head of the SS. Carmen's a captain now. Johnny Rico, still a lieutenant, still fighting bugs. And he takes all of the catchphrases that Michael Ironside said and just recycles, you, recycles them. them, which I know you said is part of the book. It's like part of the point, but it also is like, you are so fucking dumb. Unoriginal. You can't think yeah. of your own yeah. fucking... Yeah. Whatever. Okay, so that was... The fastest movie uh, recap I think we've ever done. It's the least plot-filled movie we've ever had. <laughs> it's also very fair. Did I miss anything? Is there anything that you wanted to touch on? I don't think you... Like, I think that it's, like, it's hard to communicate how, like, the FedNet... How, like, comically fascist it is. Yes. And, like, if you haven't seen the movie, go watch it. It's very, it's entertaining. It is. It's, it's an entertaining time. And it's, but you have to go in, like, kind of knowing it's a satire. You have to go in thinking, like, this is a sarcastic story. Yes. Like, this, like it just oozes sarcasm yeah. as soon as you know that that's what's happening. This is not aspirational. No. Yeah. No. So... I, I would recommend. I think people should go see it. I think it's fun to watch. Yeah. Neil, on a scale of one brain bug uh -huh. being bad yes. and five brain bugs being really good, what is the science of this film? Knowing that you said Event Horizon was a 3.5. Is... I, I, no. <laughs> yeah. No. I think you said Geostorm was a half, if that makes, if that makes I, it better. Okay. Like a one? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. Like maybe maybe even less, like 0.75. There's not a lot of science. It's there's not a lot of science, and the science that they do show, some of it's really bad. <laughs> like how long it takes to get places. Oh my god, yeah. Fucking terrible. The bugs, weird, not real xenobiology, all these fucking people running around on this planet without any like breathing apparatuses. Oh like, yeah. Everyone's breathing any air they fucking want. Oh yeah. It's it's really just kind of a shit show. Yeah. But now on 
Movie side of things. Movie side of things. I'll give it like a 2.75. It's better than a straight up and down movie, which I would call like a two and a half. Yep. But not much better. Yeah. It's got some comedic elements that I liked. It was more gory than I really thought it needed to be. Super fucking gory. And like the acting kind of sucks. Oh, the acting is awful. Oh my God. There's like a couple. Yeah. There's a couple of like. There's a couple of people in the movie who do a good job. Yep. You know, Neil Patrick Harris, pretty young, He's does a, a pretty good job. Solid. Um, Michael Ironsides, fucking knocks it out of the park. Yep. Uh, Zim, fucking knocks it out of the park. Yep. Ace, really Ace good, great. really good supporting role. <laughs> Very really unexpected. Really good supporting actor. Yeah, everyone else. Meh. Yeah, Rico was. He grew on me, but he's not what I would say a good actor. This is also like one of his very early roles. Yeah, but like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I think I. So I, I like I said, I watched this twice. The first time I rated it a three. The second time I rated it a four. I enjoyed. Oh, interesting. I, I was able to kind of go in. I knew what to expect. I picked up on more of the things. Like I said, I was able to appreciate what Paul Verhoeven was doing with the uh, uh, composition, with the design, with all the more technical aspects. I was okay. able to appreciate that more. Okay. Um, but the acting's still bad. Oh yeah, acting's just real yeah. bad. But production design gorgeous like granted nice. a lot of it is in you know the badlands of south dakota which are just going to be beautiful yeah it's, but like it's pretty boot camp looked great and it's huge yeah and the ships they were on looked great and the cg i can't stress this enough you guys the cg was great remarkably good for being 1997 but like i was super impressed more so the second time around so all that being said i need to leave uh neil yes when People are not listening to you here. Where can they find you? Folks, if you are not listening to me here, you can find me on Instagram. I am at that Higgs guy. Uh, that underscore Higgs underscore guy. H-I-G-G-S. Are and you on threads? Fuck no. Fuck no. Um, if you read... If you read what they're allowed to collect about Oh, a thousand you, percent. I absolutely... Would did not and will not. Yeah, I would. Uh, I would strongly recommend that you don't install Threads. Yeah, they get a lot of really powerful access to a lot of things that they absolutely do not need. Yeah, and because you kind of sign away the fact that they get to collect that, oh, yeah. All right. they just get to collect it and sell it. Well, see, there's the there's the thing that they probably ought not to be doing. Well, yeah, ought uh, not is is not, not the same as not yeah. doing. Yeah. So anyway, I am not on Threads. I'm really also I'm not on Twitter. Yep. Uh, I'm really just on X. Instagram. It's X. I'm not on X. <laughs> so fucking dumb. I'm also not on Ecstasy. Oh, I mean that's probably the best. Yeah, probably. I'll fuck your day up. Anyway, uh, I... You are on Instagram, though. I am on Instagram. You can find me there. Send me send me physics questions. Send me questions you got. Send me recommendations about movies that we should watch. Yeah. Not necessarily... Uh, near physics questions, not necessarily movie-related. Could just be yep. fun things you've always wondered. Yep. Uh, I am also on a uh, kind of live-action D&D 5e campaign um, that a good friend of mine runs. And... Uh, it is called... 
It's called Bad Rolls Out. And it's a fun time, y'all. It's a super fun time. We have one big primary campaign that's on there and maybe a little bit of a second campaign, but mostly go for the the first campaign. It's a good time. Super fun. It's on the longer side of D&D campaigns, I would say. It did take us It did take us 3 years three to years. actually like go through the whole thing. Um, and it did. That's amazing. Yeah, it was. Your GM is so creative. Oh, My yeah. He fucking knocks it out of the park. Fathom. Um, and it was just a fantastic fun time. So awesome. if you're looking for a little bit of, you know, fun time D&D with just a couple of folks who are all real good buds, like it's, it's fun. I love that. I love that. And I am on Instagram and I guess I have been checking it now, but I'm also not going to add anyone I don't know. So please don't find me on Instagram. Um, the show is on Instagram and Twitter slash X uh, at, uh, at sci-fi problem pod, S-C-I-F-I problem P-O-D. Neil, we've reached that point in the show. Oh, where we my must, second favorite part of the show. We must speak to our flock. We must speak to the good folks in our congregation about what, Neil, what, what, what must we speak to them about? We must speak to you all about the almighty algorithm. Praise be to the algorithm. Praise be to the almighty algorithm and its frightening powers. <laughs> it's it's uh, dystopian frightening powers. Folks, if you could uh, rate, subscribe, leave a review, uh, comment on things, share, share to it to family. your friends and family. Yeah. The more, the more, the better the ratings we get, the more we get shared. The more reviews we get, the more we get shared. The more interactions people have with the podcast, the more science people get to hear we from can spread. Yeah, from a couple of goofballs who like talking about movies and science. And if you know anyone who also likes movies and science, maybe, let them know. Maybe this is for them. Maybe you this never is for know. them. Uh, but yes, every th- everything you could possibly do to help spread the word about so here's the problem with that is greatly appreciated because we want more friends to hang out and be cool with us and give us more movie recommendations. I added three movies this week, and I'm <laughs> very excited about them. I'm also pretty excited about a couple of them. About the, the one that I sent you? Uh, at least one of the ones you sent me. Okay, the other one's really fun too, but no, that's not going to go in our normal our normal cycle. Yeah, yeah. But that's fine. Bonus content! Anyway, um, I think that's as far as we need to go right now. Neil, do you have anything you would like to say to the fine folks at home? Hmm... Enjoy your science, folks. Bye.